So welcome back to another APC podcast episode. My name is Angela Lee. Um, I'm also the director of APC and I'll be your host for tonight. Um, my pronouns are she or hers. Um, so I guess let's just start off with the intention of the podcast. So the reason why we're having this podcast today is to try to understand the ways in which we can navigate a capitalist system as students, as graduates, and as professionals, and so forth, while also holding true to our own individual values. So the community agreements for the podcast, just for y'all's sake, is one, intent versus impact. Um, we might have good intentions, but we also need to take responsibility for the impact that our words might have on others. Two, the biggest rule, which is what's said here stays here, but what's learned here leaves here. Three, take space, make space. Um, we want to encourage participation from all our panelists today. So if you find yourself speaking often, consider participating through mindful listening. Um, one mic, one diva. So if you're not speaking, please mute yourself. You can't be articulate all the time. So give the benefit of the doubt and ask clarifying questions. Be mindful of time as well as body language. All reactions are valid. Um, judgment-free expectations, explanations. I want to challenge you guys to all also lean into discomfort um, and also demand yourself openness of mind and heart. Be open to learn. Um, and lastly, share only what you're comfortable with sharing. If you want something to be omitted from the recording, please let us know so we can edit it out. Um, with all that being said, let's go into kind of the content. So definitions that we want to uh, clarify are one, capitalism, which is an economic and political system in which a country's trade and industry are controlled by private owners for profit rather than by the state. The system of class relations and economic dynamics can create enormous harms in the lives of people. These harms include poverty, wealth disparity, and culture of intense competition and individualism that undermines community and solidarity. And then two, another word is complicity, association, and or participation in a wrongful act. So let's begin. Um, we'll start off with introductions with our five um, amazing, beautiful guests if y'all can just go around and share your name, pronouns, where you are right now, and how did you get there? Um, why don't we start off with Caitlin and then Popcorn. Hi, my name is Caitlin Alcontin, pronouns she, her, hers. I'm the external assistant director of APC. And then I'm also currently a public affairs student at UCLA, um, pre-law, um, and I will popcorn to Kelly. Oh, I just felt, I had this feeling you were going to call me. Um, <laughs> so, uh, hi, I'm Kelly Zhao. I go by the pronoun she, hers. Um, right now, I'm a master's student. I'm a first-year master's student in the UCLA Asian American Studies Department. Um, I got here because I was also an undergrad in the department. Um, and I, I really like the program. And I guess, like, I thought I wanted to, like, go to grad school because I wanted to be a professor. Um, so that's how I ended up here. Um, I will popcorn Mona. Hi, my name is Mona. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm a third year computational biology major here at UCLA, trying to minor in Asian American studies. I am a full-time student at the moment, but in my summers, I intern, I'm a software engineering intern at a very large tech company. And I honestly don't really know how I got here either. I came into college pre-med, had a bit of a crisis, applied to a bajillion jobs, and this is just the one that I got. So that's where I am. And I will popcorn to Mildred. Hi, I'm Mildred Yu. I go by she, her, hers. Um, 
I'm currently a special projects coordinator at a law firm, um, a corporate law firm in New York. Um, and I was previously the leadership development coordinator um, at APC. Um, how I got here in my, in my job role, um, honestly, it took me a while to find a job. So it was kind of like, oh, take what I can get. But also because originally I thought the firm had aligned with my values, things like that. Um, so that's, that's what made me really interested in this firm specifically, but I can also speak on that more later. Um, popcorn Cat. Hi, I'm Catherine. Huh? <laughs> um, I'm an APC and UCLA alumni. Currently, I work in social work. I go by she, her, hers pronouns. Um, specifically, sorry, I'm jumping all over the place. Currently, I work in social work specifically within housing. My role is a case manager for an organization called The People Concern, which does work with people who've experienced homelessness in Los Angeles County. Um, and I'm excited to be here, honored and blessed to hold space with people from APC once again. All right, thank you guys for your introductions. Um, so we can start off with the first question. Um, feel free to take this as open-ended as you want it to be, because we just want to kind of get the ball rolling. But um, how do you feel about your current role and position? Um, and also, how do you feel about capitalism? And those don't have to be mutually exclusive. Um, so whoever wants to start, feel free to do so. We can also take some time to think about it too. Okay, so yeah. I can start, if that's okay. So after I graduated last spring from UCLA, I've done three jo two jobs before I got to my current one. Um, I was doing some policy work with uh, California Healthy Nail Salon Collaborative. And then I worked at a shelter. So I really like my space um, that I'm working with right now. I have a really awesome boss. I really admire my team. And for once in a long time, I find fulfillment in my work. I think a lot of us grapple with like the dilemma of, can you find fulfillment in your work? And if you work for money, does that turn your passion into um, something that like kind of withers away like a dying plant? Um, and I'm still not sure about that. I'm not sure if I'm going to be burnt out with social work. I don't know if I can do this long-term. I don't even know if I'm the kind of person that can do one thing forever um, or if that's possible um, within like the structures that we work in. Um, I don't know if I can work towards justice within social work either, but finally I'm getting paid a living wage, which is incredible because before I wasn't. And I think I've been grappling with some elements um, this week that relate to my work. One of my things in position, my, one of the things that has to do with my positionality um, is I'm supposed to mediate certain conflicts between my clients and landlords, but I don't like landlords. So why do I have to talk to them? Um, when you mediate, you're supposed to like see their side. I don't wanna to talk to them. Um, <laughs> so much of their perspective has to do with like maintaining, you know, like their profit, and yeah, so I'm still struggling with that. And there's other things I struggle with too. Unfortunately, I work a lot of um, hours that are unpaid and I don't know how to stop myself because of the nature of, oh, okay. So within permanent housing, we there's this model called whatever it takes. It sounds pleasant and wonderful, you know, whatever it takes for your clients, but to, to what degree like do we practice that? So. I'm still grappling with a lot of things within my new workplace. That doesn't mean I'm not ungrateful for my job. It's one of like the best jobs I've ever feel like I've ever had, but that doesn't mean that like 
at the end of the day, do I want to work? No. Like if I could just exist and like um, be paid basic resources and stuff like that, would I work? Truly? No. Do I want to be hardworking? No. Um, I was just going to say that what Kat said earlier about how, you know, maybe she doesn't want to work um, within like social justice, I think you said. Um, I really like resonate with that because I've been thinking a lot lately how, because initially why I joined, you know, this company I'm at, this law firm is because I was like, oh, they do like a lot of interesting work in terms of, you know, it's like, it's a it's law firm. So of course they do a lot of interesting work like within social justice, but they are also still a corporation. And I feel like for me recently, I've been thinking a lot about how I feel like the next job or like whatever, like my future career, I don't necessarily particularly want to work with anything politically based um, just because it is very emotionally taxing first of all, but also because I feel like under our current like system and current society or whatever, you know, ca like capital space and whatnot, there's always gonna be something to critique, right? And um, like, even if you work in a nonprofit, there's always gonna be no nonprofit um, industrial complex or whatever. Um, and so I feel like when you do work in something that is, you know, social justice based, it often, I don't know, for me personally, I often feel like I'm way more critical, right, because this is the work they do. And so I feel like I'm, I'm supposed to be more critical. But yeah, that's, that's just all I wanted to say that basically, it's really difficult to work in a place where you feel where you feel that they do good work, and that they exactly align with your values and that it's like not emotionally taxing, but most of the time it is. Right. Um, and like related to that, you know, I'm also grappling with how do, am I a part of, how do I not want to be a part of the social work industrial complex? And um, I think like realizing what younger me didn't realize, which was um, younger me wanted to be like, oh, a good person. And like, just because you do social work doesn't make you a good person, if that makes any sense. Um, and like, yeah, it's it's not as black and white as like a prior me thought. So just coming to terms with that. Definitely true, definitely very true. Yeah, um, I actually wanted to like respond to what Kat was saying a little bit earlier. Cause I, uh, when I started like my master's program, so my program had the option to do like a dual degree in like public health or like social work. And I was like, oh, I wanna do like social work. I ended up like not taking that option. And I think like one of like the main aspects that made me think about that was because of how like, they're, they're, like the disciplines are so different when I think about ethnic studies and like for any type of like professional field. It's just like, for example, like when I think about like my relationship to like capitalism, how it's kind of like, you know, fucked me over a little bit in school is like how I have to like present myself a certain way. Like you have, like, I feel like academia has this like reputation of like being like, oh, you can be like very progressive, right? But like how progressive can you actually be to the point where you can still get paid for the work that you do? Like mm. no one's paying us to like say like, we don't want cops anymore, right? On campus and we want like a livable wage like no one pays us to do that but then like if we're like we want diversity like that's what they like you know um and I think like that's something I struggled with like and I still struggle with um but yeah that was just something I wanted to bring up that's really interesting if I could just jump off of that um yeah. I listened to a podcast recently and I forget the name but it I think what I 
and trying to hold from the conversations during the podcast is we should pay really close attention to how particular systems would pick and choose what um, aspects of like revolutionary thoughts they want to incorporate, how they'll choose reform over abolition um, and how they'll choose things like diversity over sometimes like more meaningful structural change. Yeah. Oh, also, if I could just clarify something, I'm not sure I made any sense earlier, but when I was talking about trying to be a good person, what I realized now is that when I was graduating, I was extremely oriented around not going into work that I thought was inherently bad, if that made sense. And I'm so afraid of doing harm, but I'm really coming to terms now with our limited choices within capitalism. Um, sometimes we're not as like self-determined as we want to be, you know, oh, it's your life. Well, we're also just kind of players sometimes. It's that balance. And as little baby like avatars, um, like sometimes it's like we, uh, in like our jobs, we're pit to, we're pit against each other. And at the end of the day, like, yeah, it's your choice, but also it's like survival sometimes. So how do you choose? I don't know. Yeah, that's definitely like a huge, I feel like that's that's a huge topic people often like think about or talk about when they talk about capitalism and work. Um, like choosing a job, like like you said, like survival or like your ethics, I guess. Um, and one thing that like I've also been grappling with is the fact that like, like as someone who believes in abolition, um, the fact that I work at a law firm, like a freaking law firm, and oftentimes I feel like the the laws that they're upholding, you know, are like not necessarily very good, <laughs> or like they are for very much like reform. And so a lot of the times, even though you know I'm not like doing any of the legal work, I'm, I'm very much like administrative stuff. Sometimes I just like interact with the people and I'm like you guys really believe like this is good work and I just sometimes I can't like yeah sometimes it just like is really hard for me to like want to talk to them about it or like be able to relate with them or whatever which like also which also really affects like my work relationships sometimes um mm -hmm. where I just don't feel like putting in that emotional effort you know because I'm like I feel like we are not the same people so I don't feel like I want to be anything more than coworkers, which is completely fine in my opinion like you can just be professional you don't have to integrate your life with your work um I think that's something I've learned is that because I, I used to I'm not gonna lie I used to be a little judgmental about people who are like I can do work and then I can just have life like for me before I really wanted to be like the work I do has to be something I'm really passionate in life mm -hmm. and now I don't know if it's because I'm jaded or something or I just feel like I have more like more limited options but now I'm just like I I really understand now that you know my passion doesn't have to be my work they can they can be separate but even though I, I understand that my mind still sometimes is just like but I don't enjoy any work that I'm not passionate about mm. so yeah that's a dilemma yeah mm -hmm. I think I'm coming from a similar place as Mildred regarding the legal field with similar things about wanting to push farther and that theoretically being the point of programs that you're in. Um, however, it is cherry picking like the most acceptable parts of it. I think that like, that's something I'm really struggling with um, as someone who's trying to start the law school application process and like trying to imagine Beautiful. a future within, like thinking within this legal framework, kind of like what Kat said earlier about like working with landlords is like, having to be able to empathize and think 
with people that I prefer not to think from that perspective because right. it's necessary to the job. Right. Thank you. Yeah. You hear me. Yeah. Because like, yeah, I think because with law, especially there's like this expectation of objectivity, which isn't real, but I'm supposed to pretend that it is. And so it's just really weird existing within that and trying to plan around that. And at the same time, it's also like, I would be making different decisions if it weren't for, I also need to support my parents. Um, like I am my parents' retirement plan. My retirement plan is the end of the world. Um, but anyway, like, cause sometimes, honestly, I've been working my personal statements for law school recently and I keep thinking to myself, can I just drop all of this and go do organizing work? like right now and just not do further school because I am trying to do a dual program with urban planning and a JD. And then I'm like, do I have the academic discipline for any more school at all? I often think about just dropping everything really and just doing what I would enjoy. But then my parents came thousands of miles and are also stuck here in this strange country and someone has to support them and rent is so expensive. And then I also have to support myself unless I want to live with them, which I don't. But that's a whole separate can of worms. <laughs> oh my God. I think on the topic of like, sometimes wanting to like drop everything and give up and just turn in a different direction. Like one of the things I'm looking for is like, how do I um, put certain theories that I say I align with, values that I say I hold with and how do I like that into practice in my professional and personal work and sometimes in my professional work with social work which can revolve so much around what's legal and what's um like defined as like good and bad and a crime and you can't do that um like I sometimes it feels so incompatible and those incompatibilities like bewilder me and I think and I am always grappling with like do I jump ship or do I perform this um even at my previous workplace I remember I was talking to some guy on Hinge and he was like, well, whether you decide to try to change it or whether you decide it's not like worth your effort because, because they won't change even with all your pushing, I'll support you either way. Thank you, guy on Hinge. I also have to choose to support myself <laughs> with either decision, right? But like, yeah, I, I feel like that can't be something that only I experience. Like, don't we kind of like wonder, can I change this? Like, should I keep going with this? Or like, is this just like resistant to any meaningful change? I definitely have that dilemma with myself. It's that dilemma between do I fight for a seat at the table, make the table bigger, like change the table, etc., like bring new values to the table, or do I build my own table? And I think it's a really hard dilemma for me personally, just because the table that exists is the one that has security, right? And even though I know like the master's tools will not break down the master's house. I feel like that sort of idea of like setting out on your own to sort of rebuild the system or work outside of the existing system instead of trying to like sort of stay and fix it. And like, it's really scary to try to build a new system because there's inherently no security in that. And that kind of goes to like Caitlin's point when you were talking about like your parents' retirement plan. Like that's definitely something that weighs on me, knowing that my parents, invested so much in me and my education that I can't go back and be like I'm just gonna go and pursue my dreams and I'm gonna go and make the world a better place my mom literally told me like Mona don't try to fix this world that's too much right 
and I think that sort of energy is one that I'm trying to grapple with in this idea like how can I make the world around me a little bit better knowing that I can't really sacrifice everything to really change the world in a sense yeah thank you Mona for sharing that I think like one thing I've just been thinking a lot about lately is like how to like find like my people I think that's been like the most important thing for me like being in academia because I think like being in grad school I guess like there is that option like you're able to like find your people like the people that are like yeah fuck capitalism um pay us um (laughs) that's like the benefit sometimes because like it's like understanding that we're all in this struggle but honestly I do feel like that's not like as likely once I like start having to look for a job um, when I finish my degree or maybe like who knows maybe like those like relationships and the people that I find now that I see as like my people like those will be like pathways for me to like find a way to like do work that I love that not that I love um, but maybe do work that I like enjoy or like don't want to like you know like kind of like finding that balance because I think like it is really hard, especially like when I think about survival, I would not be in grad school if I was not like funded. I, that was like one thing I learned was like, if I'm not like being paid to be here, this is literally like torture. Um, <laughs> if I don't, like if no one was paying me and I think like, sorry, I went on a tangent, but like if anyone ever listens to this, like if they're not paying you to go to grad school, think about that for a very long time before you decide, like just, that's just like my advice if they're not paying you in any way I think like they have the money I think like universities like they have the money to fund you they just don't want to and like it's also like programs like how supportive are they of their students because like yeah like there's programs that will like literally like I think there's programs that will like fight for you to like get some kind of money but there's Mm -hmm. other programs that are like oh no you can fund yourself And I think like, unless it's like specifically related to like a career or like a profession, like if you're going to grad school for like something that's not like directly leading you to like a, like one specific path, like law or like social work, any like type of professional degree, if it's not a professional degree and they're not paying you, I think that's something to be like a little sus about in my experience. Mm. But yeah, if they don't pay you, F them, but also I understand um, that you'll be in debt. I guess, I guess you'll be in debt. I'm just. <laughs> no, 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 no. Also, like, if they don't pay you, like, definitely go look for, for funds, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you mean, I guess you'll just be in debt. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, fun- so funding is important. That's, that's our survival. And, like, yeah. sometimes academia is like, I think academia is like the place where like a lot of like radical people like go because they're mm. like I don't know what to do do I just write all day and like read all day mm. um I think like that's that was a sentiment I had going into like grad school I was like I don't know what to do I'm just gonna write all the time and talk shit um but yeah I think can like- I just say like um Kelly I think that's so beautiful because I love the idea of like people just sitting around and like brainstorming about what it like a different future looks like and like world building how is that not productive how is that not important for our society I think that totally ties into what we were talking about in Asianam this morning about artivism and how the most important thing that anyone can do is articulate a vision because all of the work is collective anyway 
like the actual work work part it's the mental and emotional and the sum of your experiences that brings what you can actually bring to the table in terms of movement building a lot mm. of the time just like how functional is it if my like nine to five wears me out so much that I come home and I all my hope is drained and I can't envision like changes you know what I mean and you think of like how much my mom or my dad might have to offer if um if they didn't have their spirit like beaten down all the time because they're so incredible and like what would their positionality and movements look like if they didn't feel like, well, that doesn't pay me to think and to dream? Thank you guys for all those wonderful responses. I think it really segues into this larger question that we have next about like, how do we find that balance between survival and staying true to our own values? So I think what was said earlier in this conversation is about like recognizing that um, it's hard to exist within the system. So. I guess like the follow-up is like, what are small ways that we can do to like make it work for us? Um, conversely, we can also talk about, I guess, what does prioritization look like in your life? Um, and what does it need to include for you to be happy? Um, and take happy as subjectively as you want it to be as well, so. I mean, I will say that, you know, like, like I think Mona said before, or some of us had already said before that, you know, your work doesn't always define who you are. Um, and to some extent, you know, I do obviously believe that. Um, but I also believe that, you know, what you do after your work, you know, if your work doesn't include community building, like, what are you doing outside of your work to community build to, you know, contribute to mutual aid and things like that? Um, what are you doing to like, fight for your people and whatnot? Um, and so I think, you know, that really plays in part of not necessarily achieving happiness, but in maybe, I mean, I do believe that it would, it would contribute to happiness, like personally for me. Um, but also just, you know, if you do feel like your work is not enough, then, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to solely use your work to define your life. You know, it can be outside of that as well. Mm. And just, I just want to add on to that. Um, if you find yourself driven by guilt though, that's not sustainable. Like, don't guilt yourself over, oh, I'm a bad person. I don't want other people to think I'm a bad person. I think like, you gotta sit with like, okay, what are sustainable drivers for me contributing in social change? Hope, right? Or, or like connection and community. So thinking, okay, I don't find community in this. I don't find fulfillment. My soul isn't singing. Okay, so what can I do? And yeah, just because I, I don't know about y'all, I'm not here to guilt anyone. And I can't stand when people place me on a pedestal to make themselves feel bad. Cause I think when they do that, it like is a thing of, oh, I could never do what you do. I could never be like you. And it's like, you could in your own way. You can, you can tomorrow, you can right now. But even if you don't, I'm not judging you. So you shouldn't judge you. You should just think of like, okay, what's stopping me? Am I like spiritually tired? Am I like not intellectually stimulated right now? Like, and like, how can I get there? If that is where I wanna go movement wise. Um, this is like a little tangential, but like speak because like this entire podcast obviously is about work. I think a lot about um, this one tweet I read like a while ago, <laughs> of course it's a tweet, but a lot of people often say that like, you know, they don't dream of labor, they don't dream of working. But this one person said that even though, even if you don't dream of labor, even in like 
a socialist society or a perfect society, you're still going to have to do labor. And the labor you hate now in our current society is because we are not being given the proper resources. We are being overworked, right? Nine to five, five, five days a week. You know, I personally, like if you see this pandemic, like a lot of people have been like stuck in their, you know, rooms and stuff like that. Um, and you see that people are like kind of going crazy, like not being able to work on a daily basis. And I think it just kind of proves that, you know, humans do want to do work, but just not under capitalism, you know? And so we, I think we all have to kind of restructure thinking of, we should, we should think about how we can do labor, but in a more, I guess, ethical sense and not necessarily in our current society, but for a better future in like a different kind of world. And just to add on, like when I hear ethics, I think of like, at least like how I apply it is um, how can I be good to myself and how can I be good to my community at the same-ish time? Something I've been trying to remind myself that makes it much easier to do that is just reminding myself that I'm part of the community too. And if I was talking to yes, like yes, a friend, yes. <laughs> if I would tell them to take a nap, then it's time to take a nap. Yes. Um, also, I don't work too hard. That's a lot, <laughs> but I try not to work too hard. And on phone calls with my mom, I'm like, mom, don't work too hard. Um, well, before I was like, oh, I'm not gonna work harder than I get paid, you know? But now I have a responsibility to like, to the clients. And I also have a responsibility to like what I think they deserve. So if they haven't been housed for a really long time, I struggle to like stop working at 4.30 when I know I could submit this paperwork, maybe speed it up a few days, you know? But when it comes to like, I don't know, at least in service work, like I don't work too hard, but I don't want to make that like diminishing as in like service work is important. So like, why not work too hard? So see, it's not a full thought. I just don't want to work too hard, but I still am struggling to apply that. <laughs> Honestly, I have like the opposite um, where my, my service jobs in the past have been way more exhausting and hard than yes. my current office job. Yeah. Um, I like, I honestly, like, sometimes I literally clock in, do not do any work. Like I watch my little K-pop videos and then I clock out after eight hours. Like, I'm not joking. Um, and sometimes I'm like, you know, whatever reparations, I work with a bunch of white people. But, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, like a lot of people don't tell you this, but a lot of the times if you do work an office job, you will not do a lot of work at all. You'll just- Oh my gosh, doesn't it feel like an insider secret? I remember when I first yeah. got, like first, what is it called? Blue collar, white collar job? The one where like it's in offices. I remember thinking, my mom doesn't know they don't work hard. She thinks they earn their living. Mm-hmm. They don't. No, it's true. No, it's true. Like I, I remember have- I watched all of Naruto bro, for 25 an hour. This cannot be real. There's that TikTok that's been going around recently, but like being in the life of a fashion student. And someone's commentary on it is just this idea that the reason why the upper class can exist in this like leisurely society where they have time, they don't really have to work, is because it rests on the exploited labor of everyone else. Because, for example, tech executives, the people at the top of these companies, they don't really work all too much, right? Like, one of my friend's dads, who is a big, big consultant making like stupid amounts of money. He's just playing golf all day, right? Because once you get to a certain point, you're just sitting there watching other people do work for you. And at some point, it's really hard recognizing that white collar labor 
requires frankly next to no skill because we it's have this divide <laughs> in our head between like skilled and unskilled labor right and this leads into like all kinds of things like elitism classism meritocracy like imposter syndrome when ultimately almost any job you could walk in two weeks of training and you're ready to go like i worked i'm a software engineer theoretically supposed to be a hard job i took like two cs classes and here i am like there's this like weird barrier that like kind of furthers this class divide because you feel like you, you you always feel unqualified, but frankly, no one's qualified because the work isn't real. It's it's like so true. Also, speaking of elitism, this is like a huge problem I have with my law firm is that they are such like a big corporate name that they go to all these like galas and things like that, and they donate like fifteen thousand dollars for a virtual table. Um, sorry, this is going to be tangential, but it bothers me so much when I see that they do these, like, they do these sponsorships and they're like, oh, look at us, like, we are donating to charity and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, charity is also fake. Like, I hate charity, you know, like, give me that money or give it to mutual aid or whatever that can contribute so much more. Like, you, <laughs> like, this is literally just like to make themselves look good. Yeah, right? it's about the ego, really. And yeah, like it's getting their white guilt sometimes. You know what I mean? So much ego and so much um, savior complex. Yes. Like they and have such a huge like, complex. Like Mojin and Mona said, like, you're not just what you do in your work. So what are you as like a tenant in your community? Where did you move into? Who might we be displacing? And if you feel guilt about that, how do we, instead of centering the guilt, how do we center action? Like, how am I going to involve myself in some of the organizing happening here? So I'm in Koreatown. And if you're listening and you know about the gentrification that is occurring in Koreatown, buildings right and left to me, literally, literally, literally right and left to me are being renovated for upper-class people to move into. I can't afford the building next to me. And no one, like, I don't know if like the people who are like indigenous to this community and like have lived, lived through generations could even afford to buy the houses that the way they're being renovated. Um, but there's not a vacuum of action happening. So, you know, tune into your community fridges, tune into your community gardens and um, some of the organizations that work to uplift the voices and actions and needs of unhoused people in your community. And yeah, like, yes, harness your emotions, harness your actions, but don't just sit in like guilt. Don't just sit in like and dwell in like hopelessness sometimes because hopelessness is like, like it functions for capitalism. How wonderful would it be if we had no dreams or hope? But we can't give into that. Yeah, Pat, that was that was so good. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no, that was like so good. Uh, you're away with words, but you know you have power to create change. You know, no, right. in your own little community. Um, and I think like a lot of people don't really touch into like I think they resist radicalization. To be honest, um, they hear it and they're their heart twings a little bit but they're like I don't like that it makes me feel uncomfortable thinking about my privilege like all I'm holding now is guilt and discomfort so why should I continue thinking about it ignorance is bliss well you know what like the discomfort isn't supposed to sit forever it's supposed to be transformed into action um it's supposed to remind you of your power yes like every there's different privileges but it's not supposed to just freeze us in our guilt. And also, yes, gentrification exists. That doesn't mean you can't, you don't deserve to move and live in different places. 
but it's sort of like, okay, if every community has people in it that are building towards um, justice um, and liberation, you're gonna move there, are you gonna build with them? Or are you just gonna get your little hippy dippy drinks? You can drink the hippy dippy drinks. I drink them too, they're so good. But build with them, you know? Don't just bat your, turn your eyes when they're out in the community rallying against the mayor. Um, and that doesn't mean you have to show up to everything, but just ask yourself, like, I make these jokes about the issues. Like, how do I harness my feelings and my courage and what I know to be my power to like build with them? That's why like, I feel like really comfortable having these conversations with you. Cause I feel like all of kind of like us here right now, like, like we have trust that like we're gonna hold our intentions even in the future, right? Like, yeah, we'll grow and we'll change, but like these important values, like hopefully like we're gonna like continue to hold on to them. And I think what you said specifically is that a lot of times it can be really hard to recognize your privilege because of that feeling of guilt, that, that discomfort. And that sort of agency is something that you tend to forget you have. And I think that's something especially about capitalism, right? Is that it forces you to relinquish your agency and it makes you forget that you can make it change. Because it's this idea that like everything, oh, you're never, you can't change the world. Like this is just how it is. And I definitely notice this, like the older you get, like if you talk to quote unquote, like adults, they'll be like, oh, you're just that optimistic because you're in college and you haven't hit the real world yet. And I think it's really sad to recognize that optimism is be out of you so young that this system that we live in doesn't want you to have hope because if you have hope in a better future, then what are you doing living in this one, you know? And it's that sort of like agency that I definitely catch myself slipping into where I'm just like, what point is there in hoping for a better future if it's never gonna come? And I think this conversation has been really grounding and just reminding me that we can make a change and that there is still a reason to hope. I think it's lengthier than this, but what I hold in my heart is that um, Miriam said, you know, hope is a discipline. Um, and if you Google it, you might find like much larger works where you can listen or read um, more of their thoughts on it. But um, I thought that was really powerful because so many people, I won't say adults or even jaded people, but I think people who have been socialized um, and beaten down will say that hope is naivete and it's not. And how do we structure our hope and like um, give it like breath? We read and we learn um, and we sit with like our imaginations and with each other because you can't just dream of a better future only within yourself, right? And that theory, the thing is, all these experiences and thoughts that you're having, no offense, but like, how original are we? Hmm, not that much. Someone has like thought of solutions and ideas that we can put into practice. All we have to do is read them. We can just end on um, this question, which is um, what impact do you want to make with your work? And what's one key takeaway that you've got from this conversation? We can I can go, I think primarily, I'd like to survive. I think I would like that to be an impact of my work is just the ability to live. And I'm trying to work on not feeling like it's selfish to want to live. Um, impact of work, I would just like to be able to make someone's life somewhat better through whatever I'm doing, regardless of what it is I'm doing. I'm hoping it'll be the law because I'm trying to get maximum efficiency via working on one thing and then creating shifts structurally. 
Um, but of course it also doesn't work like that. Um, and so I guess the last thing is I need to be able to be in community because that's the way you actually build that. I guess like for me, like I feel like I've only been in grad school for one year, but it's kind of like molded my mind a lot in terms of how I think both for like good things and like for not so good things. Because now like I'm constantly thinking about like what impact do I want like my research to have? What, what am I doing reading all these books all the time and like talking about them like all the time like in my classes right I guess like I kind of want to like I, I want my work like my future work whether it's like research or like the work I do in my community I'm not talking about like the job I get because I don't know what I'm gonna do but if I could teach like I guess like I'd love to like be able to like give people the language to like talk about capitalism like kind of like because I think like that's like one of the most like important first steps having the language and the tools and like you know there's also the critique that like the master's tools can't dismantle like master's house by like Audre Lorde but like at the same time like I think like that's why like what Kat said like reading is so important because it provides us with like new ways to like imagine the world and like to have hope but like also like I guess like I hope that like one of the main takeaways is that understanding that like community is like the hope that we're like looking for too right like it's already here we just need to like you know find ways to build with each other um and I think like it's understanding that like you know like sometimes like I'm someone that's very quick to anger and um I think patience is also like one of those like practices that come along with hope and I think like that's something that I want to take away from this conversation um but yeah. It's because you're a fire sign, Kelly. <laughs> it's true. I'm a Sagittarius. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I'll go next, but what impact do I want to make with my work? If you're talking about career wise, honestly, I do not care about making an impact. I just want to be happy. <laughs> if I'm being quite honest, I just want to like be on a little farm with my friends and that's it. But if you're talking about the impact I want to do with community work outside, you know, just within my life. I honestly just want to do anything that is sustainable, um, anything that creates relationships with each other and to make, you know, a community stronger and happier. I'm also a fire sign, so maybe I will steal Kelly's and maybe practice patience a little bit, but also continue practicing hope as well. Yeah, I think my big takeaway was kind of building on what Kat said about just hope, because ultimately I realized within myself that a lot of times I'll start slipping towards nihilism and nihilism slips into complicity because you're like, nothing's going to change. Why bother? And I think this conversation has been really grounding and reminding me that ultimately hope, um, it matters so much who you surround yourself with. And whether those who surround yourself with share your values, they share your hope. Because ultimately, like you said, hope is exhausting. And sometimes you need to lean on other people and you have to lean on their optimism to hold you up when it gets too hard. Mm. Okay, so I think I'm always going to want to be where I'm most powerful. So if I find that I'm burnt out in social work, and that starts to relate to, okay, I'm coming to work every day and I'm kind of doing harm to my clients. Um, 
I'm re-traumatizing them and I'm treating them without um, soul and heart. It's time to get the fuck out. But right now I feel like I have a lot to learn in terms of what models I like to practice. And then also who I don't want to be and what I don't want to perpetuate. Um, I know for sure I don't want to perpetuate harm. So I think moving forward, wherever I am working or doing, I'll try not to do that. And while I know that is inevitable as we're humans, um, I can and will be committed to being conscientious. And when I do make mistakes and do harm to others, being accountable to that. And I think one of my takeaways for today was that like, okay, I know we're all like, UCLA students are alumni and I know we're all like connected to ABC but at the end of the day this was also kind of just a gathering of friends so if you saw something valuable in this I think a great takeaway is that um, the hope and the grounding that you get from this you can simulate these kind of conversations with your friends of what do I do today how much do I get out of it what do I want for the future and not a stressful way of but more of like how do we build um, and what do joyful things entail 